Oral questions by members? Member for Kamloops, North Thompson. Thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. It seems daily we're confronted with more and more data showing that this government just simply is not addressing the affordability crisis in British Columbia. As housing the crisis continues to get worse every day, people are losing hope with the NDP's empty rhetoric and lack of results. New research from Ipsos shows that three quarters of those who don't own a home in BC say they have given up on ever owning a home. This is the worst level of housing despair in the entire country, Mr. Speaker, and no wonder, because under this government it takes 36 years now to save up for a down payment on the average Vancouver home. But instead of giving people hope, the NDP made sure to give themselves a $20,000 pay raise to Cabinet. Mr. Speaker, why has this NDP Cabinet giving themselves a pay raise instead of giving people hope to find affordable housing? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, first of all, the minister remuneration formula is the same as it was five years ago when those folks were on this side of the House. But you know what, Mr. Speaker? You know uh, what, what, is, what is, uh, has not changed from the time the BC Liberals sat on this side of the House? Um, you, 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 Mr. Speaker, that has not changed. What has changed, Mr. Speaker, is a government that has been investing in housing since the day we took office, Mr. Speaker. But you know what else has changed, Mr. Speaker? We got rid of MSP. We've increased social assistance checks, the highest increase in our province's history. You know what else has changed, Mr. Speaker? Senior supplement. We doubled it. You know what else has changed, Mr. Speaker? We provide rent supplements. You know what else changed, Mr. Speaker? Childcare fees. You know what else has changed, Mr. Speaker? ICBC rebates. You know what else has changed, Mr. Speaker? We have reduced car insurance in this province at when they set it on fire, Mr. Speaker. We still have lots more to do, Mr. Speaker, and we're committed to keep doing that. Member for Kamloops, North Thompson, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I noticed the minister didn't address the question around housing, which has actually become the most unaffordable under the five years, the two terms, the half a decade that this government has been in office. Housing continues to climb out of reach for the average person under the NDP, plain and simple, by any measure. And all we get from the minister and from government is empty rhetoric and empty results. Yesterday, the new housing statistics for Vancouver showed that the average price of a Vancouver home has risen $600,000 under this NDP government. Now, to put it in perspective that the Cabinet can understand, that's about 30 times the pay raise they just gave themselves in this budget. And in Surrey, the average price of a home has nearly doubled. It's no wonder three-quarters of the people in BC who don't own a home have just simply given up under this NDP government. Once again, Mr. Speaker, with more and more people giving up on housing, when will the NDP move beyond the empty rhetoric and actually start delivering some results for British Columbians? Minister of Finance. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. Well, you know, BC has more than twice the number of homes under construction than in 2012 when Kevin Falcon was a finance minister, Mr. Speaker. When Kevin Falcon was a, was a finance minister, that in 2012, the number was 31,000 homes were under construction. Under us, in this last year, 2021, 67,500 homes. <laughs> Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, our plan 
is to build the homes that they didn't. Here, here. Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Ashley Jesse is a young mother who moved from Victoria to Vernon with her two young children, and she was hoping to find a place to rent, an affordable place. But instead, she's actually been forced to live out of a motel room as she struggles to find a two-bedroom apartment to house her family. Well, under the NDP, the average rent for a two-bedroom apartment in Vernon has risen by $4,000 a year. And we've heard nothing from the NDP MLA from Vernon on this file. Can the Attorney General tell Ashley why, despite his rhetoric, he has failed to deliver the affordable housing the NDP promised British Columbians, not in one election, but in two consecutive elections? Attorney General and Minister of Housing. Thank you very much. Uh... Uh, I was really concerned uh, as well to read about the story the member did. Uh, this family is living in a, a motel uh, that was leased by BC Housing as COVID space. Uh, the member will remember that during COVID, uh, BC Housing purchased and leased many uh, temporary spaces and uh, long-term spaces to get people inside and off the street. And I'm glad that we have the space available to get that family inside and provide them with emergency support. But it's but it's not enough. That's why uh, we have 585 homes that are either complete or underway in Vernon. 169 are open, 416 are underway. Uh, that includes uh, uh, affordable rental homes for families and seniors, uh, homes for Indigenous people, uh, homes for people experiencing homelessness, and homes for students. We did a lot of work in Vernon and across the province. In fact, more than 32,000 homes right now uh, under construction or completed. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental. Well, the uh, Attorney General managed to get one thing right in that answer and he said, when he said, it's not enough. He's absolutely right, it's not enough. And in fact, time and time again, this Attorney General is all about rhetoric and no results. Whether it's his catch and release justice system, losing big court cases, and now on the housing file. Let's look at what the left-leaning Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives says the NDP have opened, what alternatives have said. They said the NDP have opened less than 10% of the 114,000 affordable housing units they promised. This Attorney General and Premier promised British Columbians life would be more affordable. And here we are, halfway through their housing plan, their friends at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives said 10%. Rhetoric, no results. The NDP also promised a $400 renter rebate in not one, but two elections in a row. And guess what? They have failed to deliver. The last time we asked the Attorney General about this question, many weeks ago, he said, we're working on it. How long does it take to work on it? A legitimate question to the Attorney General after two promises in two elections. Mothers, like Ashley, are depending on it. I'll finish the question if it's all right with the Attorney General instead of him looking at his watch. Well, maybe it's time that he looked at his watch and recognized how long it's taken him to deliver on a promise to British Columbians. I 
can tell you it's taken a long time, far too long. So when will the Attorney General end the empty rhetoric and finally do something on his watch for British Columbians? Attorney General. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I realize it's question period, but I didn't realize it was a question period. Uh, that was a very long question. Now, now members, Honourable Speaker. Members. Honourable Speaker. Members, me... come to order. Order! Order! They're not listening. Come on. Members, members will come to order now. Attorney General. The members rightly don't want an answer uh, from me because they know their history. They know the story of what they did on affordable housing, including projects like Little Mountain, where they bulldozed a community and left a vacant lot for a decade on our state. They don't, they don't want to hear that in the first three years of this government, we registered more rental housing than they did in the previous decade. They don't. And, and it seems like it is a good time for an update on where we're at on the affordable housing uh, uh, file. The Community Housing Fund, we've built 8,843 of 14,350 homes. That's 62%. We have 705 of the 1,500 units Members. of the Women's Transition Housing Fund, 3,414 of, of 3,414 units of our 2,500 unit target in the Supportive Housing Fund, 1,195 of 1,750 units in the Indigenous Housing Fund, Members. 1,894 units of 2,000 units in the Rapid Response to Homelessness Fund. 13,590 units in the Member housing for hub. Kamloops. 5,860 of 8,000 units in student housing. The members will know that's housing for students that government can build. They didn't do a lot of that, Honourable Speaker. 35,501 units either in municipal approvals, under construction, or complete, Honourable Speaker. Member for Sandwich North and Islands. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, the structure of outpatient eating disorder programs on Vancouver Island is unique in BC and shrouded in secrecy. In all other regions of the province, programs are administered through health authorities. Yet the South Island Eating Disorders Program is delivered by the Ministry of Children and Family Development. This program has held responsibility for treating children, youth, and adults struggling with eating disorders since the mid 1990s. During the pandemic, despite surging demand, the program cut adult services, including counselling, dietitians, and psychiatrists, offering adult clients a monthly phone call and access to a few online groups. It simply isn't enough, Mr. Speaker. Two years after the start of COVID-19, patients continue to confront a near-complete termination of treatment due to staffing shortages and funding issues. This policy has left countless adults without access to vital services who continue to struggle daily. My question, Mr. Speaker, is to the Minister of Children and Family Development. Why is her minister ta ministry tasked with treating adult mental health disorders on southern Vancouver Island? Minister of Children and Family Development. 
Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. And we do know that eating disorders are a, a very serious mental health issue, and they do benefit from early intervention, um, and at, at the earliest stage possibly, possible. Um, and we know how difficult it is to access services as well, Honourable Speaker. And as with many other mental health issues during the pandemic, we have seen an increase, unfortunately, in these types of disorders. Um, and uh, we've responded to this increased need by working with the Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions and Health Authority partners and contracted agencies and partners as well to make sure that we can support integration across the continuum of eating disorder services. Um, and we need to make sure that the most vulnerable populations receive services. So the priority populations that have been focused on have been children under the age of 19 and adults with acute um, presenting issues as well. We're increasing the number of clinicians, Honourable Speaker. We've recruited two clinicians into uh, the programme. And uh, we were able to provide support to adults who um, where there had been a temporary suspension, they were able to complete their programming and an eight-week program had been provided that did provide coping skills and nutrition as well. Um, and we will continue to assess and adjust the service and the, uh, and as the staffing levels are adjusted as well. Member for Sanitary North and Island, supplemental. Uh, this, it's, uh, the response is just simply uh, not good enough, uh, Mr. Speaker. The question uh, was not uh, provide a laundry list of actions that uh, my guests uh, clearly are, are in disagreement. That coming to my office seeking support because this provincial government continues to let them down. The question was why is it that the Ministry of Children and Family Development is dealing with adults who are suffering from mental health uh, crises and eating disorders? We have a Minister of Health, we have a Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, and on southern Vancouver Island, curiously, it is the Ministry of, Mental, uh, of uh, Children and Family Development that is standing up and answering uh, this question. With all other local resources running over capacity and patients in need being confronted with lengthy wait lists, this goes for all resources, adult mental health services such as psychiatric care and casework, general practitioners and tertiary services at St. Paul's in Vancouver. The only services accessible, immediately accessible, are emergency medical services. And even then, we've heard consistently over the last number of weeks how long wait lists are in ERs and wait lists uh, for urgent and primary care centers and wait lists for walk-in clinics. Adults who are struggling with eating disorders cannot access timely evidence-based services when they're faced with these lengthy wait lists. Eating disorders have the highest death rate of any mental illness. When people in crisis are refused urgent care, it is quite literally a death sentence. The advocates who are here today wanting an answer because they haven't been able to get it in any other way have been seeking answers to these, this question that I asked previously and this question for years. And my question again is to the Minister of Children and Family Development. When will full services, including individual counselling and dietitian services, be re-established for all adults seeking help for eating disorders on Vancouver Island? Minister. Thank you, Thank you to the member for the, for the question. Um, uh, many years ago when the service was created, it was decided that 
in order to provide a seamless service, uh, that the service would continue to be available to um, uh, adults aged over 19. Really thinking about the transition for those children and young people who had been receiving services in the clinic and for them to have that seamless transition to make sure that they're supported into a, a healthy adulthood. And I'll just add, Honourable Speaker, that our government has actually um, announced a $6.6 .6 million investment to expand eating disorder services and supports, and that includes um, peer supports as well, and to make sure that there is more timely access for the kind of care that we know that people, uh, British Columbians, need. This included supporting regional health authorities to hire more staff to expand existing eat eating disorder services and funding to the Looking Glass Foundation for Eating Disorders to support increased access to virtual peer services and people living with an eating disorder. And the situation here on South Island is continually under review and as we recruit more staff, we'll be able to adjust services. Thank you. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, I don't think there's any better illustration of this NDP government's um, empty rhetoric and lack of results on childcare than seeing empty, unused building across from Oakland's elementary here in Victoria. In 2019, there was this big, splashy NDP announcement promising, quote, Morning routines will soon be easier for parents, end quote. This government loves to make big, splashy announcements about all of the childcare spaces that are being opened. Earlier this week, 30,500 spaces have been funded. Mr. Speaker, of the other side of the House should uh, be actually embarrassed by the numbers being announced when the reality is it's rhetoric and these spaces are not opened. But three years after this 2019 announcement in Victoria, there are no spaces open. Mira Lawrence of the Oakland's Community Association says, quote, these buildings are going to sit empty unless we find the people to put in them that can provide this childcare. So can the minister tell families that we're counting on these spaces, why they sit empty three years after they were announced? Minister of State for Childcare. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. We know that parents in BC have been struggling to access quality, affordable childcare spaces, and that is why, since 2018, as soon as we became government, that we've been working on a comprehensive plan to accelerate the creation of spaces, to lower parent fees, and at the same time supporting early childhood educators who are so critical to fill those spaces. And we've made significant progress in the past few years to make sure that we have the fastest space creation ever in BC's history. I'm more than happy to take uh, back uh, the situation that the member uh, it just mentioned uh, and look into it with our staff and figure out how do we support providers to continue to create those spaces. But the reality is, during the past few years, we've funded and supported the creation of over 30,500 spaces, and among them, over 10,000 spaces are already in operation, and more of them will be coming into operation in the coming years. 
Honourable Speaker, I just want to put this into perspective. While in a few short years we've funded and already have 10,000 spaces in operation with more to come uh, because 30,500 have already been funded, Here's the truth. From 2001 and 2017, and this is how it could take time to build spaces. In 16 years, there were only about 10,000 spaces that was funded by the government. But in a few years, we've almost tripled that. So we are proud of the progress that we've made when the other side of the house actually neglected the crisis for many, many years. Member for West Vancouver, Capilano, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and the rhetoric escalates uh, as to the empty daycares. Um, that is what we're getting from this minister, continued rhetoric. Um, the pictures in the media say it all. There's chairs propped up on top of these tables, there's mats on the floor, there's bookshelves, there's everything except children and educators in this child care centre. Um, in estimates yesterday, the uh, minister admitted that they're only training half of the 2,000 ECs needed each year. So uh, because of the lack of staff, not only are spaces that were announced uh, three years ago not open, uh, but Mira also says, quote, we don't have enough childcare providers today to maintain the services that we have right now, end quote. Instead of continued rhetoric from this minister, Will the minister take action so that more spaces don't close under her watch? Minister. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. Um, I really need to remind the member opposite that if the investment we've made during the past few years, including space creation, saving parents millions of dollars in savings, and also supporting early childhood educators through our comprehensive strategy, if those investments were made even just seven years ago, parents today would have much more access to affordable, quality, high-services childcare. But we are well underway. We're continuing to fund spaces to support early childhood educators, to support providers with historical investment into childcare. During the past few years, we've invested $2.7 billion in childcare. And when it comes to supporting early childhood educators to fill the spaces, we understand. It is a challenge. Early childhood educators have been struggling with low wages and lack of support for many, many years, for decades. And that is why in 2018, we wrote our comprehensive strategies to support their wages, training, and also education. Our bursary program has been really popular with more and more early childhood educators being registered under our ECE registry. Our wage enhancement, $4 an hour wage enhancement, has moved up an average wage when I started this work in 2017, it was about $18 per hour. Uh, per hour. Now it's about $25 per hour for every day. We have more work to do. We'll continue to support early childhood educators. We'll continue to increase funding for providers. And this is what Christine members, Jackson, an early childhood members. educator instructor, has to say about our investment. Christine said, and I quote, and I hope the member opposite can hear what the sector is saying. She said, Mem it's probably the kind of brightest time ever to come into early childhood education. It seems like people in power really understand now more than ever before. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Speaker. 
so it's, it's evident that this minister has no issue pumping out press releases for imaginary spaces or going through a laundry list of how to create imaginary spaces. But that's not what parents in British Columbia want. They want accessible and affordable childcare. By the minister's own admission yesterday in estimates, less than a third of the spaces that have been publicly announced, just like the ones in Victoria, are actually open. And after five years, the NDP have created less than 5% of the 200,000 spaces that are required. So we've got lots of rhetoric, but results? Not so much. A young couple in Kelowna says, and I quote, we were on wait lists two years before our daughter Polly was born and four years before our son was born. We thought it would be enough, but our daughter will go to kindergarten before we find a spot for either, end quote. Results matter. Mr. Speaker, why are parents like these stuck on wait lists for years under this minister and this NDP government? Minister of State for Childcare. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I understand the opposition members have no experience in funding childcare and create a comprehensive system for BC families. Again, here is the truth. We've funded and supported the creation of over 30,500 spaces and about over about 10,000 of those spaces are already in operation, which is the same amount that the, the BC Liberal government, when they were in government, has ever created in 16 loan years. And we've done that. We've tripled that. And we've done that in three, four uh, short years. And of course, we have more work to do. If the spaces were funded years ago, they would have become in operation by now and serving many families. But we know, we know we have to start the work in 2018. We've had the fastest space creation ever in BC's history. We're bringing savings to parents with $10 a day childcare, affordable childcare benefit, with low cost childcare to thousands and thousands of families. And by the end of this year, we're going to cut childcare fees by an average half. And we have more work to do, but here is Kiosha, a parent who happens to be an early childhood educator, has to say, who has been grateful for the funding and the support that our government has been creating so she can stay in the workforce. But as a parent, she said, the CCFI funding and $10 a day childcare space have changed my life and made it possible for me to focus finances on other day-to-day -day living you. costs. And that is what parents are saving across the province. We have much more work to do, but we're not going to take Thank any you, lesson from the opposition member when they connect to the question. Member for Kelowna Mission Supplemental. Thank you so much, Honourable Speaker. Uh, with all due respect, I'm going to... I'm going to counter something that the minister just said. Because the BC Liberals actually, in 2015, created more daycare spaces in Surrey than the NDP has done under this minister in all of BC in any other given year. Has been all Members, rhetoric and no let's results. get the question, please. 
Members. Communities like Surrey have half the national average of childcare spaces. They need 20,000 childcare spaces just to meet the Canadian average. Melanie from Surrey says, and I quote, I've been on a wait list for two years for my kindergarten child, and we still don't have a spot. More than half of my income went to childcare last year. I'm very frustrated, and I seriously don't know what I will do, end quote. Why are so many families, like Melanie's, being left to languish on wait lists by this NDP government? Minister. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. I really hope the member opposite can look into their data, because what we have is that we've already nearly tripled the number of spaces in four years than their 16 years in government. <laughs> Just on Surrey, for example, just by the end of last year, not even including the most recent announcement, we've already had over 2,100 spaces that were funded Members. by the government, along with many other spaces that are being created. And in Surrey community alone, Members. close to $200 million have gone into parents' pockets to help them to raise During the past few years, we've really, really worked hard to make sure we accelerate the creation of spaces, we find parent savings for the first time in BC Street, childcare costs is going down, now going up in BC Street, when the opposition, when they were in government, actually took away parent savings. And for early childhood educators, and in terms of su supporting providers, the very diverse sector of childcare providers, we've increased operating funding, wage enhancement, funding to maintain their spaces, and we're going to continue to do more while the other side of the house neglected the crisis and still not willing to work with us on our childcare BC plans. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday, we learned the tragic news that 165 people suspected of illicit drug, drug toxicity deaths were recorded in the month of March. And a sad comparison that we heard today was that is, that is a fully loaded Boeing 737 crashing every month in this province. That is what I heard today. Surrey remains one of the leading cities for overdose deaths, and the Fraser Health Authority has the highest rate of deaths occurring in private residences. While people continue to die, the government has not committed to meeting the May 9th deadline to develop a 30, 60, 90 day action plan requested by the overdose death review panel. Now, every minister has been handed a 30, 60, 90 day action plan in their own ministry when they were sworn in. And they should know that when the coroner recommends one, that it needs to be done. The Minister of Mental Health and Addictions has already missed one critical deadline. And my question is this, how many more deadlines will she miss and will she commit to meeting the May 9th deadline? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, thank you to the member for the question and for the opportunity to say in this House uh, what we are all saying to each other and in our communities is that the continued loss of life in this toxic drug public health emergency is, uh, is tragic, it is unacceptable, it's something we are working as a government 
every day to combat, and we will not stop until the public health emergency is declared over and more lives are saved. I'm thankful to the people on the ground, from family members to firefighters to first responders to people working in harm reduction in treatment and recovery across the sector, people working hard to save lives. The report of the, of the coroner's death review panel confirms the urgency and the breadth of the work that we have underway right now. For example, British Columbia is the only province to implement a safe supply program, prescribed safe supply, which is what we are able to do as a province within our healthcare system. We're the first and only province to propose decriminalization of people who use drugs, a recommendation um, affirmed that we already have underway. We are waiting for a reply from the federal minister on whether our application will be approved, something that the death review panel confirmed, something we're working on every day to complete. And as the death review panel uh, reaffirmed and confirmed the work to build out the continuum of care from harm reduction to to medication-assisted treatment, to, uh, to um, inhalation overdose consumption sites, to treatment, to recovery, filling gaps in the system every day, making new announcements of new supports in Surrey and other communities um, almost every week. That's work we are um, determined to carry on um, with the partnership of the coroner's office, of the public health office, and partners on the ground. We're, we're grateful to all of them for working under extremely difficult circumstance and uh, and we continue to work with urgency together the bell and question period